Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Inside Fantasy Sports Podcast. You are listening to the Insight Fantasy Sport Podcast, and I'm your host, Rob Kennedy, the Supercoach Hawk. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are listening to us. I'm sitting here with my good friend and co-host, the big horse, Mickey Dell. How are you, mate? Yes, just getting over the big weekend, but ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) boys and girls, children of all ages, the big horse is back and ready to talk, not just Supercoach tonight, but some huge news coming out of the Richmond Footy Club, Robbie. Huge news. We'd be doing AFL a disservice. I know this is a super coach podcast and we talk about that, but we would be doing it a disservice if we didn't talk about breaking news. Now, I'm sure to all our listeners out there, we're recording this on uh, Monday night and you're probably going to be listening to this on Tuesday when it drops. But I'm sure you already know that Dimmer, Damien Hardwick, has stepped away from the Richmond Football Club, sent a text out to staff and players to meet Tuesday morning. So it's probably happening mm-hmm. as people are listening to this, possibly, uh, to let them know that he'll be stepping aside. And it has been confirmed that that is what is happening. What's your What's your thoughts when you hear that? What, what comes to mind? A bit stiff. Like he's he had a rough start to his career with Richmond and it was a bit rocky for a few years there. But then they came good and they've won, you know, they've won three flags. They've played some good footy under him. He's had the misfortune of some some injury this year and not being able to put the best team on the park that um, that his list is able to offer. Um, I think since the split with his wife, um, it's been a little bit hard on him. You can sort of see that he's not his bubbly self and he's a bit bit more snappier than usual in the media. But, you know, he's, he's coached his 300 games at Richmond. He's bought him three premierships, which, you know, for 30, 35 years... It was a long time coming for the diehard Richmond supporters that are out there. So to say that he's he's done his job and he's done it well, I would agree with that. Yep. Are Richmond in a state where they're looking to transition into their next boom or their next, you know, uh, five to ten years worth of growth and to build their next premiership list? Probably now, yeah. Um, so I, I'm an Essendon supporter. Like We, we speak about that a lot. Um Essendon aren't a top eight side for me. They're still growing, regardless of what Kane Corn says. And for Richmond to lose a game like that, I, I think that's probably put the nail in the coffin for him to go, look, our side's not where we want it to be. And if we're moving forward, I don't see myself here until three years' time. So let's just do it now. Let's get someone in. Let's get the ball rolling. And who knows? Maybe some new ideas and a fresh face and a fresh voice. Yeah, I reckon, it's, I reckon it's a super mature decision, if I'm being honest. I think, obviously, yeah. he's making some of the decision based on his personal reasons, I'm, I'm sure. I, I, won't, I won't dive into that. But I think from a professional standpoint, you've hit the nail on the head. I think he's probably looked at it and gone, We're not in, they're not in rebuild mode. I don't think they're in a full rebuild mode. I think they've got some players, they've got some cool players. They're in a transition mode. Um, they need to add some more players to that list. Um, and I think they can go and cash in and, and still be a decent list moving forward. And, and as you said, I think he's recognised that maybe it's time for someone else to take that mantle. Um, and the dynasty the dynasty is definitely over. So he's sort of stepping aside and, and making that transition. Dare I say, I'm, I'm pretty sure Trek Conchon will follow him at the end of this year. Um, and there's a lot yeah. of talk on whether Dusty Martin is not too far behind, not based on age or playing ability, but just on his own personal life. We know he's a different, little bit of a different cat, similar to like a Dane Swan, 
who, who maybe it's called it a little bit slightly too early as well, but from a playing standpoint, but made it the own decision. So, yeah. look, credit where credit is due. He came from the uh, the Clarko era, assistant coach at Hawthorne for a long time during the dynasty there. Uh, mm-hmm. Longest serving coach at Richmond is, is certainly nothing to rest your hat on other than the fact that he won three premierships as well. So to Dimmer Hardwick, wish him all the best. The fun question before we dive into wrapping up round 10, which was just mm-hmm. an extremely fun round. Who's next? Who's the next coach to go? Michael Voss. Wow. They've come out and said that they've come out and backed him. They've come out and backed him. And if you look at the way that previous presidents have come out and backed their coaches and then what happens either later on in the year at the end of the season, the coaches are done. Basically, when you're asking the president or hierarchy for comment on your senior coach, you know that your senior coach is walking on thin ice. So regardless of whether it's at AFL level or whether it's at local level, if you're being asked about your performance and asked to justify, you know, where you're at and what you can get out of this list and so on, so forth and so forth, if this doesn't turn around really quickly for Michael Voss, he's the next one out. Adam Simpson isn't. They've got shitloads of injuries and he just he can't do anything with that list. He's just got to show up and do the best he can. He's got the runs on the board. He's won a premiership with them. He's, he's done well with them when he's got a good list. So... For me, Adam Simpson's safe. Michael Voss isn't. They should be top four. Yeah, I think Adam Simpson's the obvious one for me to say, and I think he might get to a point where he goes, he's not the guy for this next move and something's got to happen. I actually reckon that Trevor Nisbet might be the one that they make a move on to sort of make a financial yeah. change and sort of they've got to do something kind of thing. Um, one I'll throw out is... I don't think he'll get sacked, but I'm going to maybe just bring up why it's not getting talked about enough. Why is no one talking about the underperformance of Sydney at the moment? They were in a grand final last year, albeit that they got absolutely spanked. Yes, some injuries to their back line. Not going to shy away from that, but that's it. They're getting belted at the moment. They, they, they should have lost to North Melbourne on the weekend. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for an interchange, I speak of people who are probably going to lose their job is whoever's on the boundary there, unfortunately. Yeah, hopefully they sure. don't. Hopefully they don't. We're not here to make people lose their jobs. But yeah. why are they not talking about the coaching at Sydney and whether they need a transition? Because it's the horse. Yeah, no, fair point. No, fair point. Yeah. The last, what, the last 10 years, he's missed the finals once. Yeah. He's been a good, consistent coach over such a long time. They've been smashed with injuries to key position players. You saw Laddams go down again um, with what looked like a broken leg. We, I haven't yep. seen the news reports from that game, but like we, we were at the game, myself and a few of the other Insight fantasy sports lads, and um, you saw him go down and then you just like the crowd was silent and you heard the scream and you knew straight away something was wrong. Nah, it's so, good chat. Look, it's good chat. It's good yeah. chat. I think it's a nice little chat, as we said. We like to talk footy, you and me. We haven't had a bit of a chat for a while, so we're probably, probably yeah. taking a little bit on our own sense here to have a good footy chat. But um, hopefully yeah. all our listeners like a little bit of footy chat and talking about it as well. Please send mm. us in those uh, those types of questions, conversation starters, things like that. We love chatting footy. It's what we're here for. Um, but we mm. also do, of course, love chatting super coach. And what a week it was. Wow. Not too much could go wrong. Uh, I think everybody was cranking out points. I wanted to give ourselves a pat on the back and say we got quite a few things right in the lead up to the show and we'll probably touch mm-hmm. on those in a minute. But to be honest, you couldn't get too much wrong. So I think there's no better place to start, albeit it is the first game. 
I reckon if it was the middle game, I still would have started with this one. Port Adelaide versus Melbourne. And I all I have to do is say, toot, toot. And if you know, you know. You must have yes, been watching Friday with a lot of enjoyment to see Ollie Wines crack the ton with 110. Let's just talk about that first. Oh, it's, it's coming. Like the last couple of weeks, he's been finding the ball fine. Like you go back and you've said yourself that he sort of is on his 30, 40 points and then he finds big last quarters and, and gets on his roll. But it was always not that far away. And it was this game where he's actually put four quarters together. And really, he should have scored a lot more. Like there were a few times where he gave some silly free kicks away to Clayton Oliver when he got caught sleeping a little bit. But moving forward, the the midfield of Butters, Rosie and Ollie Wines looks really dangerous for the Port Adelaide Footy Club. Uh, Lysett, he's shit. You know, they, they may as well bring Tickle back in. I, I didn't like the way that Lysett played. Um, Finlayson was like, good. So 117, so horrendous 117. So for people uh, shouldn't be getting excited by that at all, no, in your opinion? Not at all. Yeah. No. No. Uh, it was probably the best skills-wise wet weather game of footy that I've seen in quite a few years. The back and forth, the momentum swings, Zach Butters was just absolutely phenomenal. That's probably one of the the best games individually I've seen this year, not just because of the wet weather. Um, and Dacos, yeah, he's had a lot more of the ball. But when you talk about putting your head over the ball, when you're talking about contested possessions, when you're talking about the two goals, uh, when you're talking about the gut running, just from an overall standpoint for AFL football in its purest form, that was probably the best game I've seen this year individually. Are we watching the two best wet weather teams in the competition? Potentially, yes. Uh, yeah. You look at those midfields and you look in the way that they play and, and it's hard to forge an argument for anybody else. I think, you know, Collingwood and Geelong, just because they're great teams, will probably be good. But I think in wet weather yeah. footy, like you look at the Olivers, the Butters, the Rosies, Horn Francis, I think it's twice now that he's played a good game yeah. in the rain game. He did it at Gather Round as well, where yeah. actually he had three poor quarters, but his last quarter in the rain was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, your wines, as you talked about, there's just a lot of players there who who step up in those wet conditions. I, I think Bulldogs are an interesting one just in the Liberatores and the McCrays and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, what a phenomenal game. And as you said, in those conditions that they were playing in to put up the numbers they had, um, where does Zach Butters now? We talked about it. He's, I'm lucky. I, if anyone's seen the little grab about Ollie Wines that we put up on our Insight Fantasy Sports socials, Zach Butters does get a mention right there at the start that we mm-hmm. like the look of Zach Butters. He's he's now their midfield. Like he's he's their inside mid. And if he plays wow. there, at some point, some people have got to find a way to to bring him in now, don't they? Mm-hmm. He's averaging 149 over the last three weeks. He's a mid forward as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's and where yeah, he, with, he's a he's a he's so he's six hundred twenty thousand seven hundred. He's break even this week of thirty three. Even oh, I mean, projected score is one twenty four to get him a forty thousand dollar, forty one thousand dollar increase. But mate, you're spot on. His highest score was that one eighty four that he just put up. But in the mm. last far out since since round five. I mean, even round four, you could nearly go back to. But from round five, he's gone 146, 94, 96. And then he's gone 125, 139, and 184. Uh, you know, he actually plays 
He scores less against some of the weaker teams. Like West Coast, he got a 94. Melbourne, he's put up a 184. Essendon, he's put a 125. Bulldogs, a 146. Brisbane, in round one, he put up a 101. So he's a guy who steps up in big games, and that's what you want. I mean, they're coming up against Richmond, Hawthorne, Western Bulldogs, Geelong. You could back him in now, I think, to just continually wow. put up big numbers when teams are now looking to fill their uh, their forward lines and back lines with primos. That's right. Yeah, and those, those four teams that you just spoke of, um, don't really play that well against opposition midfielders when we're talking about super coach points, especially like Richmond. They bleed super coach points to opposition opposition midfielders. And who else you have there? Geelong, and who else was there? Uh, they've got. Sorry, I moved on to the next game. Okay. Uh, they've got. They've got Geelong. They've got Essendon. They've got Western Bulldogs. They've got Hawthorne. They've got Richmond. Yeah, yeah. That that looks good for Port Adelaide. Absolutely. I think they're I think they're coming cherry ripe now and they've got quite a few games at the Adelaide Oval as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Well while on. Yeah, just while you're looking for yeah, go. the next game, mate, Clayton Oliver. If you had him, are you moving on from him or are you holding him? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I make people are gonna think I'm nuts with my team at the moment, but I don't even have Bonton Pelly or Clayton Oliver at the moment. Um which is painful, but it's okay. I actually don't mind where my team's at. We scored over 2,500 this week. Um, I need to see what's going out. There's a lot of mixed reviews coming out on where he's actually at. Um, Mm -hmm. And so until someone gives me a general report, I like to think during this week, we will get a better report of where he's at. Uh, So for me, if I'm a, yeah, it's a really tough one, isn't it? I think you're someone who's paying that price. If it comes out clearly that nut, nah, they're putting a fork in him for four weeks, I'm moving him on. If it stays with this Aminari for a little while, I'm going to hold for a week and see what happens. Yep. You? Same. You've got Same. him. I've got him. I'm going to hold him if it's this week. I'll hold him if it's two weeks. But if it's more than two weeks, he's probably going to make way for a Butters or a Zach Merritt. I must admit, like, I, I mean, this is probably inside information. He probably doesn't want me talking about our private text, but too bad. He talks to us a lot anyway. So Hamo sent me an interesting one. He's got him. He he was looking at Laird, Neil, and McAndrew coming in, and we'll talk about McAndrew in a bit, and Stocker, Simpson, and Oliver going out. But I'm like, when you make two big upgrades like that, I don't mind that move. Um, Simpson and Stocker out. Stocker's done his job. Well done. To be able to bring in Laird and Neil, and I think Mick Andrews, if you're going to take a chance on anyone, he's in that. He's in those three players that have only played one game due to injuries as well. I think he's he looks all right. So, yeah, don't mind that move. I'm sure Hamo's listening along and will text me saying, I'm never texting you again. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, mate, let's talk about the next one as we move on to North Melbourne, Sydney. You were there live. Yeah. yeah. Before, and you're sitting with the Roo boys. I was. Before we get into players' individual scores, and there were some good ones to talk about, what was the feel around the ground? Did anybody have any idea what the free kick and the 50 was for if you were sitting there nah. live? No, nah, no idea. All, all we saw was that there was probably 10 or 15 seconds of just silence, and then the umpire was holding his hands to his ear, and then he pointed the ball at, I think it was McLean, there was Sydney Ruckman, and they went to the goal square and they kicked a goal. And then just the, the chorus of boos from the 500 people that were there were just, it was just phenomenal. Like there wasn't that many people there, but 
North Melbourne were really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, was, I was expecting a shit show. I, I'm not going to kid you. Like, I went there with three other Roo boys. I'm like, yeah, we'll just do the kangaroos thing, you know, have, have a few beers, cheer mm. for She's God and Georgie Wardlaw. <laughs> I am a huge fan. But they played well. Like, yeah. you got a really good look into their future with Wardlaw, Sheasel, Phillips going through the middle, and that looked really good. Eddie mm. Ford, one that yep. no one spoke about, and he was just everywhere. Yeah, he was really, really good. He's, um, he's my he's my fourth on the list. If somebody wants to take a one game risk, but yeah, because of his price. Yep. Um, but I'll tell you what, I'm I'm not sure. I'll, I'll just I'll go in and have a look at the scores. Greenwood only scored 91. Greenwood was everywhere. Yeah, Greenwood. He's a he's he's like a Ben Keys, isn't he? He's yep. like you know the skills are not there, but the effort is just insane, insane mm-hmm. effort. But mate, like. They did look good. I think Simkin, if we think back to the podcast where he got injured, I think it was against Brisbane in gather round, and, I, and he had 12 touches in that first quarter. And I kicked myself at <coughs> these moments because I was looking at some midfield bring-ins this week. And, and I remember saying on that podcast, he's one to look at because he's going to come back. He's got a high break even now. So let wait for his sort of second game back. And he was up and about for this one. I don't know if it was the, the Doug Nichols round that really got him going, but he looked really pumped up and he mm-hmm. played a great game as well. I think he's a, he's a great leader at that, at that club. Yeah, he is. Um, Drury. I am on the, I am never picking that spud ever again. Don't care if he's got red head or, is it that your mum's stepchild or whatever? He shit. Have you, did you pick him? I did, and I, oh. I want to drop f bombs. He was he was crap. He's out. He's gone. I, yeah. I don't care if I'm not going to make any money out of him. He was yeah. He, I don't. I can't see him playing this week. I really can't. And like I, I didn't take him. I couldn't. I know he looked all right in the first game, and then his price was his price. But sorry, someone who puts up seventeen. In a game, I was just like, I can't do it. He's not the no. he's not the guy to bring up. I'll tell you who I who I did bring in, who also goes in the spud category. I don't even care if he has a green tick throughout the buy rounds. I'm filthy at myself for it. Chesser sucks. Chesser oh, sucks. He's so, he's so bad. He's so bad. I didn't think yeah. he was that bad. I but mate, I'm watching the game here, and like being a Hawks man, I was like, great. So I can we've won the game. I'm, I'm watching some of the players. He doesn't know how to get the football. Like, I'm literally watching number 18, like, come up to a stoppage. He doesn't know how to get the football. He nearly looks like he doesn't want to get the football because when he did get the footy, he literally – it was like a – you've gone up for your first league game in in resis and you're like, quick, I better get on the boot because I'm about to get smashed in a second. Like, Mm -hmm. he just looked terrible. Um I'm filthy at myself for bringing him in because I don't even care that he's going to get games and his job security is good because who wants bloody 20 points? Not me. No. I'm filthy. I'm filthy at myself. He sucks. Mate, Man. Scott looked good. Let's get to the players who played well. Scott oh, looked did. good. He I really did. liked his his role that yeah. he did. He was doing a soft tag on um, Errol Goulden, who's, mm-hmm. who still, after a poor first quarter, still walked away with a 96. I my VC on him. Um, like a lot of people did, and that kind of stuffed me a little bit. But um, Goulden came good after a poor first quarter. Scott did a fantastic job. Fantastic job. So I think they found a little bit of a role for him there. Um, who else sort of stood out? Zeebel. Zeebel started with a – I think he had a good 38, 39 the first quarter and sort of went went a little bit quiet after that. 
Wardlaw looks good. He's right there at the top of the list of somebody you could take a risk on. It makes you kind of wonder, how has he not got a game yet? Injury. Oh, he was he? injured. Oh, okay, there yeah, you go. he was. He had a a poor preseason. He was coming back from injury. I think he did a knee last year. Not a bad yeah. one, but a, a significant one. Yeah, I can't remember whether it wasn't an ACL. It might have been an MCL. Anyway, uh, interrupted preseason. Played early in the VFL. Got hurt. Played a couple of games back in the VFL. Uh, if they weren't going to sub Drury off, I reckon they would have subbed Wardlaw off. He went quiet in the last sort of quarter and a little bit, and you could yep. see like he was cramping. He could barely move by the end of the third quarter. So that that eighty five with some match fitness that'll that'll easily be a hundred hundred and ten. Is he worth the hundred ninety three thousand eight hundred price tag? One hundred percent, yes. He was Do you take a risk on him, though, when they're about to bring in Collingwood. I reckon there's somebody. Like, I mean, look, does he play? Would you put him on? Would you put him on your field if you're still sort of sporting a rookie at the moment? Like a lot of people are looking to downgrade Ashcroft at the moment, maybe to yeah. get some cash. A lot of uh-huh. people are starting to make that sort of move now. You know, Tickle got your two fifty. You got others. Simpsons now sitting at two seventy. Do you take that move now or do you wait? I'm gonna. Yeah, I am. I, I think with some match fitness and the way that they're going to use him, uh, I, he could easily average your 80 to 85 each week. He was really, really good. Like He was super, super impressive. There was one passage of play there where Luke Parker beat him to the ball, and Luke Parker is a, is a strong dude, and Wardlaw wrapped him up and threw him down. And like you could see that Parker even just grabbed him and picked him up to say, you know what, that was, that was awesome, kid. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge rat for him. Yeah, I love that. So, Paulie, poor me, you haven't come in with my research. How long's Tom Hickey out for? Where's he at now? He was a late out. Um, it could have been with illness. I, I didn't read why he was out. Okay. So, I'm going to see what he's doing because McAndrew wasn't overly um, – yeah, he doesn't feel me full of confidence. Unless, unless, he's, unless I know that unless, Hickey's out. Yeah. Unless I know Hickey's out for a while, I'm not making mm-hmm. that move. No doubt. There, there's no way I'm doing that. Um, got, yeah, we've got to I, I thought he was now. I thought he was now the man because everyone was out. But I'll have a mm-hmm. little bit of a look while we while we continue talking. Somebody no. else will be able to fill us in at some no. point. And so. even even if Hickey's out and well, Laddams has done long term now. Um, McLean, he he looked a lot better in the ruck than what McAndrews did. Yeah. Okay. Hasn't been updated yet. Anyway. So all good. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll bring that to everyone later in the week. No doubt. Yeah. Um, we move on. It's good to see Chad Warner have a game as well, 137. I think he's um, he's one I'm definitely going to look at. I think he'll be on most people's radars again next year. Um, mm-hmm. He might be that player. I've started doing a little bit of a list of Mr. Consistencies over here and Mr. High Ceilings, but also a little bit of risk over there. And Chad Warner certainly sits in yeah. the latter. When he's mm-hmm. on, he is on. Talk about big scoring super coach games. Uh, we move on to the next one, Western Bulldogs versus Adelaide. Adelaide just looked a completely different team without Tex Walker, um, not having that person to kick to coming off half forward and shows how <laughs> valuable he still is to that team. Um, Bulldogs had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys cracked the ton, um, which kind of shows they had the football on a string and had this game under their control. Uh, McRae with a massive 145, Caleb Daniel with a 144, Bailey Dale with a 141. My man, 
and favourite pick of the year, Tom Liberatore with a 126. Bailey Smith is the one who I nearly brought in this week with his Mm -hmm. mid-forward DPP, 121. There was an article earlier out last week about how he's feeling good, he's in a good headspace, starting to get his life, feeling comfortable about things again. Um, He's looking good. Did Did you get a watch of this game at all? No, I didn't didn't get to see any of it at all. I did watch the um the KO mini though, and little bits and pieces of a replay today. Uh Johannesson's gone down with what looks to be an eight to ten week hamstring. Yep. I'm looking at bringing Bailey Dale back in. Bailey okay. Dale, 36 touches and went straight into Johannesson's role as soon as he went off. Watch this space there. Four hundred I like that call. The question is whether, yeah, did he do it because they didn't have someone else to come back in, so he's that guy, or does he go back to being a tall? But it's, I don't mind that. I mean, they've started playing O'Brien again, which maybe does free up Bailey Dale a lot more, mm-hmm. which is yep. which is not a bad call at all. Um, you know, English did his thing. Bontembelli still with a 110. Um, Dino's become one of my favourite players, non-super coach favourite players, is Corey Wait- uh, Cody Waitman. I, I, I really like him. Uh, his effort and intensity, and he's just everywhere. I, I really, I would pay tickets to go and watch him play. Um, Adelaide, Rory Laird with a 145. Do you know what got me really mad was I've tried really hard to not let my, so I'm in a head-to-head league with a bunch of mates and things like that. I, I've mm. really not let that be a factor for me. I've tried to just sort of play it as if we're doing a podcast and we're going for the biggest score. But I saw my opponent, um, he had the VC on Oliver and then didn't take the 120 and put the C on Laird. And I was like, I really should just put the VC on Laird because then I've got everything covered. And I didn't do it mm-hmm. because of the podcast mindset. So it kind of cooked me when I saw his first quarter. But, um, man, he he played well. It looked like the Rory Laird of last year when teams knew they had the game sewed up so they didn't really put attention into anybody. And when you don't put attention into Rory Dead, he just has it on a string. Has it on a string. Um, wasn't too much more out of Adelaide. Um, O'Brien with a 99. Dawson still got at least a decent 92. Uh, wasn't too much more. Yeah. We move on. Next. Uh, Fremantle v Geelong. Uh, this was my happy tip of the week. I was very happy that I tipped Fremantle in this one. Mm-hmm. I had a look at Geelong's side. The big one for me was once Dangerfield wasn't named, he has been the one carrying that midfield at the moment. They walk taller, understandably, when he is in that team. So mm-hmm. him not being in that side, I think, was the bit of the difference for me in picking Frio. And, um, and again, look, their midfield stepped up. Sarong, 135. Brayshaw, 134. Clark's getting his dash off the halfback again with a 112. Uh, Darcy still pulled up a 91 after we gave him big raps on the podcast last week. Yeah, they look good. I mean, Fife only with a 49, being in the yep. starting lineup for his first run as a full game. Yep. What else stood out for you? No one cracked the ton for Geelong. No. Uh, so... The boys will probably get a giggle out of this, but we watched the game from inside a hotel called the Royal Hotel in Richmond where the females that serve you your alcohol don't wear any shirts. So that was that was quite fun in there. Uh, and um, we, we were... I did not know to... where you were going with that one. That was, yeah, that was no, good. no, that's all. But we're, we're able to concentrate on the footy a little bit. And mm. um, Fremantle just blew them away in the last quarter. Like it was just a massive momentum swing. Um 
For people that are talking about trading out Jeremy Cameron, don't. Why? Because Geelong have had two quieter weeks without Dangerfield. You, you smack bang on when you say Dangerfield carries that midfield. We know he does. As soon as he comes back, your power forwards are going to start scoring huge again. So, like, for me, I've got Hawkins. He scored 90. I'm happy with that. You know, if that's if that's a par score for Hawkins, I'll take that every day of the week. Absolutely. But you called it a couple of weeks ago with Brayshaw coming back into form. He, he's turned up a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. Sarong is definitely the number one there. But that could potentially be the best one-two young one-two punch in the league when we're talking about midfields. Yeah, that, those two, look, I don't know what was up with Frio to start the season. The game plan just looked wrong. They had the different mindset, which was odd because when they were playing run and gun footy last year, they were good. And that's how modern football is now played. So it didn't make sense with what was going on. Now, what we've realized as well, though, from the 666 rule and things like that, if you don't win the center clearances, you're sort of stuck. You're, you're very much behind mm-hmm. the eight ball. It's stuck in your back line. So that was what was happening at the start for Frio. They weren't winning those center clearances, um, which put their backs under a lot of pressure, slow play footy, and then they're behind the eight ball. They're starting to win them now. They're starting to get back on top of the center breaks, and the two of them are starting to walk a little bit taller. I think they look all the better with a, uh, with a Fife in there for another big body. Um, obviously... Will Brody's got a, you know, struggling to get a game at the moment. He's got to find his way back into that side. But yeah, yeah. they're looking good. Um, they look a little bit stronger mm. with the young forwards up there in Tracy and Amiss, who have got to still find their way. But they just, yeah, they look a lot better. But you're not wrong, mate. If you've got a, if you've got a midfield with Sarong and Brayshaw as a football manager or a football list manager, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Um, mm-hmm. The big talk out of here after it was released, I think Kane Corns or someone talked about it that. You know, Sean Darcy was possibly getting looked at to maybe get picked up by um, Geelong. He comes out of contract to not the end of this year, but next year. So to Frio make that move, if Luke Jackson's their guy. Um, the strong word that's coming out of Frio is that he's really happy being here and that he's going to stay. And I think they'll do everything to keep him because the one-two punch with a Darcy and Jackson is nearly just as good as looking at a one-two punch of Sarong and Brayshaw, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yep. Uh, we move on to Brisbane and the Gold Coast, and uh, Brisbane were just like a little bit of a steam train. They uh, slow to get out of the blocks, but when that thing got a chugging, they got a running. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know where that came from. Sorry, that's not bad. Horrendous. I like it. No, nah, I'm not clipping it. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm not writing that tone. I know you're writing the notes down. I can see it. I am. You're right. Anyways, we move on. We move on. Um, and Dunkley was another choice, uh, possible captaincy, and he came through with a big 153. The McCluggage, uh, 134. Lockie Neal, I brought him in this week, and he paid me good dividends with a 128, albeit I took the chance, even though his break even was 155. I thought about the future, not just the now. Uh, Will Ashcroft, I'm still keen on holding on to him, 124. And look, he's starting to make the debate a little bit closer between him and Sheezel, in my opinion, as well, with the way that he's starting to play. I'm not saying he's overtaking him. I'm just saying he's making the debate a little bit closer, which is nice. Um, and Wilmot, continually, he's starting to find the footy a bit. I think he's starting to find his role. He's starting to understand who he is as a footballer, getting a nice little 83. So I'm happy I've held on to him just for a little bit longer, although yeah. his price tag is getting to a nice point that I might need to take that risk and downgrade him. 
Um, Wits with a 118, Holman 107, Atkins came through with the what, good with a one, 102. 102. Oh, right. And look good too. Like just he knows how to find the footy. I think if he finds that efficiency, he's uh he's gonna get the scores. And the one which we probably got wrong, mate, was Humphrey coming over with another ton with a 101. Mm. So we don't just pat ourselves on the back. We do say when we maybe get it wrong again. One thing that we've been clear about on this show is though we don't judge it by a week. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So we'll see if he keeps going. Um, I'm not sure. But Noah Anderson and Raoul a little bit quieter, 73 and 87 from the two of them. What did you see in this one? I saw nothing because Ooh. I was blind. Had a kebab in hand on my way home from the Richmond train station back to the boys' house. So it's all you, mate. I've seen nothing. I, it's a good thing I watched the game then. It wasn't bad. I must admit I... Um, switched across at a particular point, which was I think Essendon and Richmond were playing around the same time. So a little bit of dream time at the G was where I wanted to go. Um, the interesting one was Will Power sort of came back into his into his place with a 60. Fiorini sort of, we did tell people early on, Fiorini wasn't getting the CBAs or anything like that. He was playing out on the wing with a 58 this week. So yeah, hopefully most people listened and didn't jump on it. Another one that we did sort of get wrong and – well, not wrong. He didn't actually get selected. I think he ended up being the son was was uh, Tom Berry. So he had a five. Um, a lot of people jumped on Sharp who got a 47, which isn't horrendous. But, um, yeah, I wasn't too sold on the Sharp move yet either. So, yeah. Anyway, it's probably game of the round we move on to, mate, which was your boys oh. um, other than Port Adelaide, Melbourne, which I think was probably the best game. Um, obviously, the finale to this one was nice and tight. Um, Zach Merritt was my choice between, but it seemed like everybody was bringing Zach Merritt in, and probably rightly so, with a huge 162. Shea Bolton with his 139. Did you, you? I'm assuming then you didn't get yourself up to get to watch this one then either, and if you're a little oh, bit I've blind, watched with the replay. One I've hand. watched the replay, and I've watched the last two minutes about 20 times. <laughs> um, Wow. I, I wasn't expecting it. So, again, we're watching this from inside the the uh, the Royal Hotel. And um, the Essendon-Richmond game was actually quite close. Like, it's sort of a goal here, a goal there. Both teams aren't really in your top four teams when we're talking about AFL as a whole this year. But it was an awesome contest. And then for, from Essendon to – or for Essendon to come back from three goals down – for Sammy Durham to kick that goal where he did with 10 seconds to go and win the game. Did you know in his first ever game, we'll rewind a little bit, he had a set shot from the top of the square against Gold Coast and missed it. Did, and I've did you the replay, see it? Yeah, I've watched the replay back of an uh, interview with yeah. him and he's yeah, like... how good is it? How good is it? I, love, I was about to yeah. ask, did you see his presser? How good is yeah. it? Yeah. All yeah. he could think about was he was shitting himself because he didn't want to miss it again. So... <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the first the first one was he shat himself because he, the ball was coming in his direction. He's like, yeah. he knew it was near the end. He's gone. First, I've shat myself because the ball's coming in my direction. Somehow, it just fell in my lap. Second mm. of all, all I could think about was that kick, my first ever kick, which I missed. That he goes, you can see if you watch closely, all the boys are setting up behind me, ready for the kick out. I was like, yeah, beautiful. I saw, yeah, I, I saw I that. It. Yeah. I love when you get the non-media train, just say it as it is. I, yep. I love it. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not robotic. You, you can actually tell that it means something when they're saying it. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's bloody awesome. Oh, but, it was, yeah. 
Yeah, from a super coach point of view, though, apart from merit, was there much for Essendon? Not really. Um, I mean, Ridley Ridley got his one twenty two. I know people still have McGrath's that interesting one at one eighteen. He's an interesting super coach player, McGrath. Yes. Um, Durham got that one hundred seven. Probably had a lot to do with the um, the game winning goal, which always jacks up mm-hmm. in in super coach. The interesting one, Hobbs. Hobbs is the interesting one. So Hobbs has come out with a ninety. Um, I know a lot of people were sort of contemplating the the Ben Hobbs move. Um, seeing that he's going to start getting a little bit more of a role with Setterfield, and he has. He's jumped up. So I'm assuming he was the sub maybe round six with his 28. And then Geelong, Port Adelaide, he got a 63 and a 56. Last two weeks, he's gone 83 and 90. Um, he's still a $350,000 forward who's going to get a lot more role in the midfield. I'm just having a quick look at what his uh, break-even is, and his break-even is sitting on... Uh, 28. Okay. As a Bombers man, I mean, if somebody's looking to go, you know what? I don't have the price to do the, I'm going to take, I need to take a risk. I don't have the perfect downgrade upgrade option. To be honest, I might even be one of those people. Is he in that right sort of bracket for the risk or where does Humphrey sit with him with those kind of price tags? What, where, where's yeah. your head? I, I prefer Humphrey because you've got Parrish to come back. Okay. Uh, if, if Parrish is back, that sort of takes his role. Um, and I'll, I'll say to you first, I hope that we trade Parrish and give Ben Hobbs the chance to play as a midfielder all the time. I I really like him. And like I heard a I heard a good story throughout the week last week. And key position defenders or forwards are really hard to find. But regardless of the midfielders you trade out, you can always find people that can find the ball. So for Parrish, while his price is high, yes, he's a good player, but is he damaging with it? No. Is there someone waiting in the wings that can do exactly the same? Yes. So let's let's try and get some currency while it's high and, and wow. get a key position back or forward and let Hobbs play because I, I really rate him. I don't I like look, I don't disagree with you in that sense. I think it's an mm. interesting I rate Parrish highly. I'd be yep. I do you know who I would move before Parrish? Dylan Dylan Shield. Oh, yes. He's still got currency though. Like he's still got currency. Like he does, I'd be wanting. I'd be wanting more of a Parish, Merritt, Setterfield, Hobbs. You've got to have four or five because you've got to have that sort of rotation come through. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't mind where your head's at. I, I, I think I've always said, and I, I loved where you know, growing up watching footy, like Hawthorne were the ones that started showing. Like you, you, you miss those players, but halfback flankers were always the ones that they felt they could give up. So mm-hmm. you know. Maddie Suckling, you have to let go of. Go and get the cash. That's fine. Um, Taylor Duray, go get the cash. You've got. You, think, you can find halfback flankers where you teach them the game. I mean, you look at even like a Sheasel and a Dacos. I'm not comparing them to Suckling and Duray, but I'm yeah. saying you can start players there on a halfback flank and move them into the midfield. So, yeah, look, good footy chat. Good footy yeah. chat. Uh, I know there's a lot of Parish fans out there, but as you said, is he your full match winner? Maybe not. Where Merritt is, Merritt, Merritt took that game by the scruff of his neck um, yeah, and off he went. Yeah, Merritt's impressed me this year. He's been really good. Toby Nankervis was the one who jumped straight back in, mate, with a nice 94. He's actually had a really underrated super coach year this year. He's mm-hmm. um, he's one that's really stepped up. Um, he's at 560,000. He's only played the five games, I think, but he's gone 112, 118, 124, 97. Then he was yep. injured. And to come straight back in and score a 94, 
His break evens at it's still high at the moment with a one thirty. But I tell you what, if you're starting to make a few looks and moves and things like that, he's not a bad little option to come in. Obviously, he's a bit injury prone. It's probably the only thing that you'd have hesitation on. But good scores. Really good scores. Yeah, if you're looking for someone consistent, look no further. We move on to the Harley Reid Cup. And I tell you what, it didn't live up to deserving the name of the cup. All it showed is West Coast suck. Um, and I love saying that. I live out here in the West. I had my son's Hawthorne socks on whilst we watched the game. His mum came to pick him up. I thought I'd better take the socks off because I won't rub it in too hard. But, uh, um, mate, the only thing you can say out of this is two things. One, Hawthorne are actually on the right track. Yes. And West Coast are in some serious, serious trouble and some years of pain are to come. Yeah, they are. Yeah. There's nothing really more that you can say. Don't pick any West Coast players because they're just not going to score well this year. And with the way their injuries are, you just don't know when the next one's going to get hurt. And when you're talking about a Hawthorne team, they have been competitive at times this year, Hawthorne. They're not as bad as what the media beats them up to be. Um, They've got some good young players. Yeah, they're still a little way off, but comparatively to the West Coast Eagles, it's it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? West Coast are nearly that bad that, like I know they've had a lot of injuries, but it's nearly compensation pick territory with how much they're getting smacked by. Yeah, but the problem is it's only been one year. It's only been one year and they also have probably the they've nearly got the biggest bank in the AFL at the moment. So they probably don't need to be recovered. I don't I can't see the AFL coming and giving them one that quickly. I no. think they will get some players back, which will make them better. But if everybody's still talking about the names that were that are still to come back that were sitting there in the 2018 premiership side, they're not gonna do anything for you anymore. They're going to get injured again. They're going to come back. They're good names and they were great players and they've had great careers, but they're not going to come back and do anything more other than put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. Do you know what I mean? That's all that's going to happen right now. So I really feel for them. They have to strip this team back and they have to go get anything they possibly can for whatever's got some currency out there. I still think Jack Darling actually has some currency to a team. I think somebody might jump on him as a late Late possible first rounder if your team is still in the window and in the bubble. Mm-hmm. I think in a good side as a second or third forward, he could still do the job. But I don't know who else has currency that you'd think about getting rid of. You're going to keep Oscar Allen. You're not going to trade him. Yeah, you, you, you know, you've committed to Nick Natanui. You're not going to trade him. But no one's got value anymore. Uh, like Dom Sheeds, I mean, Tim Kelly, you can't go and trade Tim Kelly now. You went and gave away the farm. And the kids for him. Um, you can't go and trade him now because you won't get even what you got back. You know, Gaff's just nobody anymore. Like he got a Gaff got 25 on the weekend. Like he's just he's just not the same player anymore. So look, they're in a they're in a world of pain. I don't want, you know, I say it lightly that I laugh a little bit because I've gone through a bit of having to listen to WA fans. But, like, I want them to bounce back. It's good to have a good WA side and, and Frio. I, I want both teams to be good. We haven't had two good WA sides over here. Either one's good or one's terrible. It kind of kind of sucks. It's more enjoyable if they're both up and about, which is good. So, look, I think we better mention a couple on the Hawthorne side, though. Connor Nash seems to be fine in the footy now. He is really becoming 
borderline super coach relevant. Um, mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it, but he's putting up some big numbers. Sicily with a 134, playing up the ground a little bit more. Mitch Lewis shows how important he is to this side with a 129. He kicked five. Um, one that I've been talking to a few people about is Jai Newcomb. Jai Newcomb's numbers are really starting to show that he is starting to become that consistent inside midfielder. So he's at 513,100. And in the last few weeks, so since round five, he's gone 121, 114, 101. He had a shocker against Freo, but the whole Hawthorne side didn't, scored 69. He had a 117 against Melbourne, and he's just followed up with a 118 against West Coast. The only issue I have with it at the moment is... Yes, he has the ability to have that 69-point game. He had also a 54-point game against Geelong there somewhere. And maybe his ceiling isn't like a Lockie Neal that can get that 130, 140, 150 yet. But he's starting to show that he can consistently get a ton. He is their inside midfielder, and he is classy when he has the ball in his hand. He tackles, he handballs, and he also can find a goal now and then. He's very much... They're near the top of my list for who I might pick next year. Yep. What happened to Ned Reeves? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't heard what it actually was, but yeah, it looked like a bit of a um, a leg injury, something with a leg injury. I don't know how bad it is because he did play for a little bit longer, okay. and then they decided to um, then they decided to call it. They had Lloyd Meek there. Yeah, why wouldn't you make the move um, and let Lloyd Meek ruck and uh, and let Ned Reeves rest uh, rest. But I'll um yeah I'll see what happens there. I'm not sure. I like the look yeah. of Ned Reeves. I think he's I think he's going to be a good ruck. I think he's on a similar trend, and I'm intrigued to see what it looks back like. And we're recording this so we can come back and have a look in two years' time. I think he's on a similar trend to Tim English. That's huge, mate. Do you I'd, remember when I'd Tim say, English I'd first came? Yeah, Jared Witts isn't a bad call as well. But yeah. do you remember when Tim English first came on the scene? He got – it was like – I remember in the fantasy days, if Collingwood was – if you were playing against Tim English, you threw the captain on that ruck. Brody Grundy, mm. didn't he score like nearly a 200 when he played against him? Or Max Gorn, somebody scored massive scores. Goldstein. He just got bullied. Goldstein it was. Was it Goldstein? There you I, go. I remember, I remember that because I had the C on Goldstein that day. It was a Friday night yeah. game. I went early. Pew, pew. Toot, toot. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nice. But, yeah, I look, tell everyone, I, I like the look of John Newcomb. Um, and, look, the big the big one coming out of Hawthorne at the moment is Weddle. Weddle kicking two yeah. goals off the halfback flank. I'm very yeah. big on not judging too many games against West Coast. I think people have to be very careful mm-hmm. on watching someone. But he looks yeah. big body, ready-made, good dash, good with footy in hand. Um, yeah, I really, I really like the look of Weddle. Uh, he impressed me a lot. Good. Good. We move on. Uh, two games to go. Carlton v. Collingwood. Poor, tell you what, Collingwood just uh, just took it to him and took it hard. Darcy Moore, it has to be mentioned, with the record-breaking <coughs> 11 intercept marks and a yep. 151 supercoach score. At the start of the year, would have you said that Darcy Moore is supercoach relevant? No. If I told you in the last five games, he's gone 101, 111, 112, 110, and 151. 
With Jeremy Howe out, that doesn't surprise me. It's still not bad, though, for a guy who's actually playing on the key forward. So he's mm. on Charlie Kerno. He's playing one-on-one with Charlie Kerno. At different points, he kind of switched across to Harry Mackay. But he's not playing the true Jeremy Howe, I'm on the third tall or a, taking a small and leaving him alone to come across. He's genuinely playing on the key forward and still coming across and taking 11 marks. And um, he started taking a few more kickouts, which obviously helps as well. But he's um, he's a player to watch. I, I don't think I'd ever take the risk to bring him in, but it's, uh, it's not a bad little stat line for him. And he's got North Melbourne and West Coast in the next two weeks. That said, it might not go into the back line. <laughs> no, it might not. <laughs> this, there could be two games in a row where Collingwood get massive percentage boosters out of this. You nearly... You yeah. nearly you'd nearly consider not bringing him in and watching the two weeks, and he might actually his break even's forty nine, so he'd probably beat that. But he might actually drop in price a little bit, and then you bring him back in when they play Melbourne. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, um, it was interesting. I was I was quite shocked when somebody mentioned it on Twitter that they're looking at Darcy Moore and I had to go in and dive in and have a little bit of a, a closer look. Carlton look shot. Yeah, I think this is the big thing that. I called it last week that I thought Carlton might even give this a bit of a shake this week and they, they need some kind of statement game, you know, somewhere something where they come out, they have a good win, it takes the pressure off the team, it takes the pressure off Vossi. But, geez, they 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 look lost. They There's no confidence there. Weedering looks a bit scratchy across the back line. Like Doherty's come back and... He's gone bang, bang the last couple of weeks and tunned up twice in a row. Charlie Curnow looks good. Adam Chera, he's probably been the most consistent Carlton performer yeah. this year. Yep. But when you're looking at Walsh, 92, Cripps, 87, Ibordin Kennedy, 85, that's going to be good for a price increase. Saad, 60. Weedering, 46. You know, it's just – I think Hollands – I called it last week too. I think Hollands is dual yeah. rest. He yeah, looks he, he looks tired. And what he scored 37 and was subbed off. So he got subbed um, off. I, I think you're right. I think no matter how good a young player is playing, you've got to you gotta manage them. I think they need they need two or three they need they need a week where they just go back to the VFL. I think they need their they'll get their buy around. And I think you nearly need to give them a week off. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 very taxing your first year. You come in, you don't get a full preseason. So it was a good call by yourself. Absolutely. Yep. And when like the the player that he is, and if you watch the the Telstra tracker that pops up each game, he's more often than not in the top five of the people that's covered the most amount of ground in the game. So it's not like he's playing in a position where he gets a lot of rest. He's doing a lot of reps, a lot of hard running up and down the ground. Like I'd be a big supporter of him getting a rest giving his body a chance to recover and then letting him come back for the second half of the year. I'd be intrigued to see what his role actually is then. You know, I always look at it. I don't mind the whole points per kilometre stat. I think it's a really yeah. interesting one on, on you know, you're working hard, but are you getting the ball? But maybe his role is to sort of get in front of a few bodies, get back and help the defenders, get a body on. So you never really know until you know what's going on in the inner sanctum. But, mate, you're spot on. I, I, the, there's two parts to this for me is one is – Tell me why. Give me a reason why Carlton should be bad. Their list is good. You, mm-hmm. I can't really find a reason on why they should be playing this bad. That's one. 
And if you watched AFL 360, Robbo ripped into him. Robbo, Robbo actually sat there and goes, look, I don't normally name players, but I'm going to. What the hell does Mitch McGovern do? What does Silvani do? He's a third tall, but what does he actually do? He ripped mm-hmm. into a couple of them. And you know what? I think it's warranted. It is. Yeah. And oh, it pains me to say it, but I don't rate Voss as a coach. You know, he had, he had Brisbane for a little while and they went from pretty awesome to pretty ordinary pretty quickly. Lost his job. Where else did he coach at? At, at Carlton? He, they've never really fired a shot under him, have they? No. So, yeah, he was the assistant coach at Port Adelaide for a little bit, but Kenny yeah. Hinckley gets the chocolates there for what they've done. Um, he's yeah, never really mate. put the runs on the board as a good winning senior coach. I think yeah. his, his game plan, which is it's very publicised, it's, it's too convoluted. It's too all over the place. It, it needs to be slim, simplified and in a way, just tell the boys to go out and get a kick, you know, yep. play to their strengths. They're massive when you're talking about their midfield, your Hewitts, your Cripps, your Kennedy, your Cherry. They're all over six foot two, six foot three. But yet they're getting smashed in contested ball. It doesn't make sense. No. You, you look at that. that it, on paper, it's, it's how you would draw up an AFL list. The key backs yeah. they have, the two-headed yeah. serpent up forward, big-bodied midfielders, a decent ruck. You had a young ruck who can't even get a game for some reason as well, which just mind boggles me, especially when he's about to come out of contract at the end of this he's year gone. and yeah. has a brother down, you know, an hour out of town who could really do with a ruckman, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it mind boggles me, the guys that are still getting a game because you've got a surname that's got a bit of controversy with some of your ex-players from your team of the century. You've got, yeah, it's just there's something going on there. It's not working and it starts at the top and you're spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to say it because what an absolute weapon of a player I don't really know what's going on in the sanctum, but as you said, it's well publicised that his game plan's all over the place, and that's how it was at Brisbane. And I've and I've I've got inside word of a couple of guys who used to play under that, that he used to just break the the ground up into a grid of like twenty spaces, and mm-hmm. the, the the part of it was you need to get to all the different zones at different points and do different things, and people were like, what? They're nearly less like running, like I just nearly said with Hollands, they're running everywhere and not sure actually how to get the footy. Let the guys play. Let them play. Because that list, I'd love to go coach that team. I would love to coach that team. That way, I'd be like, boys, let's get it forward as quickly as possible and let these two guys go to work. And yeah. Like it's just unreal. Yeah. yeah. Mate, we can, can talk about that, it. We could yeah. talk about it for ages. Their I confidence is shot. Their yeah. confidence is just it's gone. Harry Mackay in front of goal. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No. He's a big man. Like, I'd love to be that tall and play footy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at Collingwood, who are just up and about, and you could be down by five goals and still believe that you're going to win this game. They know their role. Yeah. You got Sidebottom, I think, is playing his 300th game this week. And and what a what a guy from the sound of things. I think nobody has a bad word to say about him. Um, Pendlebury just keeps being that Rolls Royce that I don't even know mm-hmm. if you need to change the oil. He'll just keep performing the best way possible. 
Um, Nick Dacos finds a ton again, and he just knows his role, and everybody gets behind him. Had a little bit of a swinging arm at a few Carlton players this week, so you can maybe get under his skin a bit. I even like to go Tom Mitchell. I think Tom Mitchell just had a bunch of clearances again. Talk about a list manager and getting it right. We have some clearance issues. All right, let's go and get an ex-Brownlow medalist that people maybe ripped into, didn't deserve a Brownlow. But he just showed you that he's all class. Mm-hmm. He gets something like six to eight clearances, does his job, 21 touches, makes everyone better around him and doesn't need the limelight, just goes about yeah. it and gets it done. Um, yeah, I really rate this Collingwood side and, and I've said it a thousand times. And even Josh Dacos, 123. I mean, he's just another guy that's just up and about, just playing his job and looks like they're yeah. enjoying the footy. And why wouldn't you? And I've said it a thousand times. If I could take back one comment, it was me underrating this list at the start of the year, and I take it back. They are great yes. to watch. But you know what? I don't. I don't think their list is that much better than Carlton's. No. But yeah. I agree. When, you've got, when you've got a senior coach who has the trust of their players and has a very simple game plan, you can just you can see the confidence that it brings. But Charlie Kerner, Harry Mackay, or Myacek and and Cox. Spot on. I mean, the midfield's no different. I mean, they had what they have in the – they had Darcy Cameron in the ruck with – cool, Pen, like Pendlebury, um, Dugowie and um, Taylor Adams. And then you go uh, net with Cripps, Walsh and Hewitt or Doherty, whatever. Like, it's not far off. Then you go the other end. Cool, they've got Darcy Moore. He's probably the step above everybody else. But then you still got – Weedering, like you've yeah. still got some good players down there, and Doherty's in the halfback flank. You, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You're right. You're spot on. You are spot on. Um, last game, mate. Last game. It's been good chat. I've, I've enjoyed the chat. Sorry, we yeah. maybe haven't given all like the massive super coach insights or things, but we'll do that later in this week. We'll really have a good look at the yeah, bubble. We'll. we'll have a look at captaincies. Everybody mm-hmm. knows the wrap up is your time to come and listen to us. We'll give you wrap ups of the scores and we'll give you wrap ups yeah. of a, a little bit of our thoughts about what's going on in the AFL. Yeah. Um, GWS v St Kilda, another team GWS that just annoy me with the list that they have. But anyways, um. Sinclair, 160. Jack Steele, massive last quarter. Got him up to a 135. I went the captaincy on Ron Marshall. He came through with the goods in the end with a 126. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Wanganine Miller actually looked – he's got a bit of class, Wanganine Miller. Yeah, he uh, does. I like him. He's, he's very much on my watch list. Doesn't quite have the consistency just yet, but he has a lot of class. Mason Wood still got his 94 up on the wing. Uh, Max King back into the side, played really well. He's not super coach relevant, but you have to mention him. Um, from a GWS standpoint, GWS. this guy, yeah. uh, GWS standpoint, he t- Tom Green is becoming one of the most consistent players this year. I think he's mm-hmm. just consistently not a huge ceiling. Um, again, in my conversation with Hamo, um, I reckon he could be one of my first picked next year just mm-hmm. based off his consistency. And I don't see his role changing, and I like how he goes about his football. Um, Sometimes you just got to put those consistent players in, and I think he's he's one for me that I just love how he plays, and it doesn't matter what team they're up against. Um, Briggs into the side for his first game with a 109, one that I think people need to definitely have a look at of a, yeah. a guy who's 254,000, um, um, and he looked solid playing against a, a very, very good mm-hmm. ruck in Rowan Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Canelio with a 108, Kelly with a 106, 
Daniels with a 105, and your mate turned up again. Whitfield, 103. Did he end mm-hmm. up coming in, or I'm assuming he just missed out? Yeah. No, I didn't bring him in. Um, so I ended up bringing in Matt Kennedy from Carlton and banking yes. some cash. But Haynes did me. I had Haynes. He scored seven. Yep. So What has he done? What's he done? Uh, concussion, I believe. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So he'll miss this week again. And, yeah, look, when you're talking about a, a premium, um, he, he was getting his scores, but it's not upper echelon. But the beauty of this now is that it's going to cost me 70 grand to go from Haynes to Jack Sinclair. So that's all I spent an extra 5K and go to Sicily. So I'll work that out later this week. But they're my two go-tos in the back line now. I like, I like Sis. I've got to be honest, mm-hmm. I like Sis. I think Sinclair's been an interesting one at St Kilda this year. We push him up the ground a little bit sometimes and he goes really well. <laughs> and then other times he sort of comes back and does something a little bit different. I think Sicily, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. And mm. I reckon worst case scenario, you know exactly what you get from him if he plays key down back. But he still has this chance that he could go up and do something different like he's doing. He's playing up a little bit more. But yeah. hey, mate, you can't really go wrong with the two of them. The no. one person I want to pull out that people are talking about, he is the, probably the player on the bubble. If anybody's going for that sort of guaranteed cash at the rookie price is Cameron Fleeton. Um, defender at GWS. He's only scored a 47 and a 44, so I don't think anyone's looking to bring him in as a scoring player. Um, have you watched him play much yet? Yes. What are your thoughts? No. I mean, but <laughs> so does he have any job security or just from no. the cash component or not? Slightly better than Chessa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. There yeah. you go. Heard it first. That's why we. Wait, that's why we. Yeah. Wait till we get across to the big horse, mate. Yeah. Wait till we get uh, Wardlaw on the bubble, or go early on Wardlaw if you're looking at bringing in a rookie. Yeah. So um, just really yeah. quickly before we go to the final words, mate. Um, yeah. On the trade front, the most mm-hmm. traded in is is Merritt at the moment with Clayton Oliver going out. So a lot of them at the moment are very much around people pulling the trigger on Oliver or Sam Simpson. Um, the people are looking at bringing in Merritt, Butters, Rory Laird, or Jack Sinclair or Lockie Neal, who we just sort of talked about, from a rookie front. Um, most people are looking to move either Sam Simpson, sorry, I say rookie front, a lower price front, Sam Simpson, Shinkota, or Baker. And the two North boys are the ones on the bubble, not on the bubble of two games, but on the bubble of being brought in is Wardlaw and Eddie Ford. I'm thinking it's a no-trade week for me other than possibly doing one downgrade um, just so I have the cash banked to be able to do a downgrade upgrade. But I do have to have some no-trade weeks pretty soon. But my team is looking very good for the buyers. I've got them all set up. The worst week I possibly have at the moment is a 16-player week, and I can fix that with rookie moves pretty quickly. Same. Yep. I'm with you. But, yeah, the one move... For me, he's definitely going to be Haynes into either Steele or Sicily. Which you don't have, have a choice. Do. You've got to make that yeah. move. And then obviously that's why, Oliver, you've probably got to sit and wait to see what the medical reports are. Yeah. Big yeah. horse. Um, final words, mate. We've just ticked over the hour. It's been great footy yep. chat. Final words yeah, for you, my friend. Uh, stay tuned later this week, guys. Um, we'll do a live again Friday night, around 6, 6.30 again to give you 
all the up-to-date and late-breaking news before this round of footy. We've got, what, one more round until buy rounds? So I think it's as important as ever to get your trades right this week so then you've got that team balance. So tune in, subscribe to us here, like and subscribe. Hit us up on Twitter if you've got any questions. Robbie and I are pretty active on the Twitter, so we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Absolutely. Stay strong, everyone. There's a lot of people who are starting to write the words delete app. Stay strong. Your scores will go (laughs) up. Stay to the task. Don't burn the trades. Yes, still invite me to your parties. I'm good fun, but I'm just giving it to you straight. Uh, (laughs) Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's good to see you back in the studio. I look forward to when we next meet to talk all things footy, all things super coach, and get everybody signed up and ready to go. as we move into buy rounds and DPPs are coming up soon too. Thanks Mm -hmm. everyone. This has been the Insight Fantasy Sport Podcast. Peace out. See ya.